Well, let me uh, add my welcome to those given before. For those of you who may not know me, my name's Mal York. I'm the Senior Minister here, and it's really wonderful to be here for my very first Foundation Day, uh, and wonderful to see all those videos and images of a, a wonderful year uh, that happened last year. Uh, especially uh, coming to look at God's Word, I'm excited that we continue on in our series uh, called Foundations of Gospel Ministry. Uh, as we were reminded um, before by our stew, we at St Andrews have been built on wonderful foundations of people in the past. Uh, we have been built on those who have been proclaiming the gospel. We're part of a church that has been faithfully proclaiming the gospel here in St Andrews for well over 100 years now, and for that we should be thankful. But more than this, today is also a day when we think not just of ourselves, but we think of others who are involved in other forms of ministry that you and I cannot do. Mission and aid organisations that we've, we have supported and that we're going to support today that also give the opportunity for the gospel to go forward in different parts of Australia and the world or work that is driven by those who know the gospel and so therefore do this work. Uh, but this foundation day, it's also important that we pause and remind ourselves that all we have, all that we're about to give, originally comes from God and has come to us often as we are beneficiaries of those who have come before. And so with this in mind and as we come to the passage, we're going to ask this question. Are we ensuring that we are passing on the gospel truthfully, clearly and faithfully to the next generations to ensure that gospel ministry will continue here at St Andrews and in the mission organisations and aid organisations that we support for years to come? That was a long question, wasn't it? But the essential element of the question is, are we passing on the gospel truthfully, clearly and faithfully to the next generation? In the passage that we have before us, we see the good and the bad of those who are involved in gospel ministry. But through this, Paul drives home the importance of passing on, to the, on the gospel to the next generation. And so we'll be challenged as we look at it. Is this our priority? Well, let me pray as we come to look at God's word this afternoon. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity to look at your word. We pray that you'll teach us clearly through your spirit what it has to say. Inspire us to be those who don't live for ourselves, but who live for you and who want to build our firm foundations on your word and passing this on to the next generation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first thing that we see in the passage is that people have deserted the gospel worker. Have a look with me at verse 15, and I'll just remind us of what it says. It says here, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now, Paul starts out by saying that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted him. You see, as Paul writes this letter to Timothy, uh, he's a prisoner in Rome. Uh, as we come to the end of the letter, we actually see that Paul's coming towards the end of his life, and he knows it. But if we jump back into the book of Acts and read from chapter 20 through to 28, we'll see how Paul was captured in Jerusalem, how he was put on trial over many years. Opponents made false claims as to what he said and tried to have him put to death. Yet Paul, knowing he was innocent, 
made an appeal to Caesar and was taken as a prisoner to Rome. Once in Rome, he continued to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, but now to the hierarchy of Rome. However, because of his situation, some people tried to distance themselves from him. Some people claimed that the gospel that Paul was now preaching was not right because it led to him being put into prison. Some of these were Phygelus and Homogenes. Now, we don't know much about these two, uh, except what's found here in the passage. But what we can deduce is they must have been well-known in the Christian circles for Paul to mention them to Timothy. They must have been people that Timothy would have known, and so prominent people in the early church. But now, who had become ashamed of Paul because of his chains... But it's not just them, is it? Paul says in verse 15, everyone in the province of Asia has deserted him. That is, people who once claimed allegiance with Paul are now rejecting him because of his situation. They claim that because Paul is in prison and suffering for the gospel, there must be something wrong with him. There must be something wrong with the gospel that he is proclaiming. I think it's a real challenge for our church today, isn't it? Often the gauge of success in ministry is one that looks outwardly flourishing. We're dazzled by church numbers. We're dazzled by celebrity preachers. Uh, We're dazzled by whether the worship song we're singing has made the top 10 of Christian songs. But we don't think much for those who are suffering for the gospel, do we? Who have their names maligned in the press who are struggling to make headway in hard areas of ministry in Australia because they're being faithful in their ministry. Especially if the society around us is actually starting to speak against them. We often want to distance ourselves from them and and say, that's that's not success in ministry, is it? And this is like Phygelus and Homogenes, isn't it? This is how they felt about Paul. But Paul teaches here in the passage that, that this couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, last week we saw how Paul speaks about how suffering is part of the the, the course of being a Christian. More than this, he points back to the fact that Jesus Christ himself suffered. So it's only right that his followers suffer. You may remember in Luke 2, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 22, we read, "Blessed, uh, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. So those who have left Paul those who have deserted him because of his chains have have not really understood, have they, the cost of what it means to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But friends, you and I, we need to be reminded of this, that it's a characteristic of gospel ministry that not everyone will agree with you, that some people will desert the ministry, some people will distance themselves from what's going on when gospel ministry is happening. In fact, some people may do it even to us here at St Andrews under my ministry. We're actually seeing it, aren't we? We've seen it this past week in the Sydney Diocese. Some of the leaders of the, the Anglican Church uh, are being maligned because, uh, because of what they're saying, because they're trying to hot stand firm on the gospel truth. And there are, uh, there are even Anglican ministers around Australia and Anglican bishops around the world who are trying to distance themselves from what is being said. Uh, we saw this last week with, uh, with Glenn Davies, didn't we? Anglican leaders around the world who do not rely on the teachings of the Bible, 
saying, distancing themselves from Glenn, saying he is wrong. I'm not saying Glenn's perfect. I'm not saying he gets it right on every occasion. But he is a gospel man. And he is looking to promote the gospel. And as a result of that, he is suffering. His name is being maligned in the media because of it. But friends, I urge us to listen to what Paul is saying here. To stick by our Christian leaders who are doing, who are doing gospel ministry. Stick by one another, even if we're rejected by people or our friends and our family. Now sure, if we depart from the gospel, shed light on the situation, speak up, there are other passages that say we should hold firm to the truth. But if we are earnestly doing the work of the Lord as Paul was, then let us not be like Phygelus and Homogenes. But let us have the foundation of our ministry here, support for one another, no matter what the world says about us. Because after all, this is what Jesus commanded, isn't it? He said in John 13, 35, By this everyone will know you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. It's not by if you distance yourself from the gospel worker, from the other disciples. It's by how you love one another. And friends, this is my second point for for this afternoon. That amongst those who support gospel ministry, there is wonderful fellowship. Have a look with me at verses 16 to 18. Uh, Paul says, May the Lord show mercy to the household of, of Anisiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well how, he, uh, how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it, of a faithful Christian friend, a, a partner in the gospel. Onesiphorus has been the one refreshing Paul and not ashamed of him in his chains. He has been the one who's been by Paul's side when times have been the toughest. It's not only the sign of a faithful friend, someone that would would help in that hard situation, but someone who is a solid partner in the gospel. The classic example of friendship uh, that Paul gives is how Onesiphorus came to Rome and searched for him until he found him and refreshed him. Now, I've been to Rome, and it's a pretty big place. In fact, 2,000 years ago, it was still a pretty big, big place. And Paul was there, kept in some house, under house arrest. Now, some places are easily identifiable. You can even see on the map where the Colosseum is. Uh, If you know where that is, that's good. But, But Paul wasn't being held there. He was being held in some house somewhere in Rome. And it says that Onesiphorus searched hard to find Paul. Could you imagine arriving in Sydney for the first time, trying to find someone's place with no GPS, no public transport system, no phone, no map? You'd have to be really committed, wouldn't you, to finding out where he was. And so we hear, we see the determination that Anisiphorus has in wanting to be with Paul and wanting to comfort Paul. And then Paul reminds Timothy of how Anisiphorus was like this back in Ephesus. Do you remember that? Do you remember what he was like? Maybe you don't remember, it's okay. Uh, In Acts 19, we read about how as a result of Paul teaching in Ephesus against Roman gods and against idols of the time that this huge riot broke out in response to what he was saying. Once again, Paul was on the receiving end of people standing against the gospel message. So he intentionally reminds Timothy how when this happened, Anisiphorus also stood beside Paul and helped him. Isn't it a wonderful picture? 
a wonderful picture of a faithful friend, a wonderful picture of a partner in the gospel. Friends, let me encourage you that although some people desert gospel workers when they're suffering for the gospel, for those who are united with Christ, it provides the foundation for real care and real love. The one that Jesus speaks about in John 13, 35 that we've already seen, a sacrificial love where you give up your time and do the hard work to love the other person and denying yourself for their sake. Friends, the unity that we can have in the gospel and the care and the love that it will give for one another is unmistakable and it has so much great benefits for those who are involved. It it creates a wonderful community. David Short is a minister in St. John's Shaughnessy in Vancouver. Uh, he's had a really huge impact on my life, as, not only as a Christian, but as a minister. And a few years ago, his church was facing lawsuits because they decided to leave the Diocese of Westminster in British Columbia, Western Canada, because bishops there had appointed practicing homosexuals as priests of the church. He and his wife, Bronwyn, suffered greatly for the truth of the gospel. Uh, they were facing persecution by the local press, and persecution by those within the church who agreed with the bishops. I had the great privilege of visiting them back in 2009, and they spoke of the importance of the support from their brothers and sisters in Sydney and how important it was. But it actually wasn't until Heather and I saw them in GAFCON last year in Jerusalem that they spoke uh, through tears and, uh, of the great stress and pain that they went through, but the great comfort that movements like GAFCON are for them to come and be refreshed and then to head back to continue on with the gospel ministry. And friends, this is exactly, isn't it, what Paul is talking about here in this passage. And my point is this, when facing persecution and suffering, the support, the love and the care of your brothers and sisters in Christ is such a wonderful relief and such a wonderful help. And so it begs the question, friends, how are we going to support those who are suffering? How are we going to support those today who are standing for the gospel but having their names maligned by our friends and family at work? It's quite easy to agree sometimes. It's hard to stand firm. Friends, as we continue to build the great foundations this church has laid in the past, let us continue to have a foundation of gospel ministry here, support for gospel workers and show to them the love that Jesus has shown to us. Well, friends, the final aspect of this passage is that Paul tells Timothy in response to all of this, pass the gospel on to the next generation. Uh, Why don't we look at verses 1 and 2. We'll just remind ourselves of what it says. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Uh, Paul starts off by saying, you then, indicating to Timothy, listen to this and act upon what you hear. The then shows that Paul's referring to everything that he said so far, referring to the fact that Timothy is to have as the foundation for his ministry, prayer, proclamation and suffering, Paul is referring to how some people will respond to this ministry by embracing it, but others will reject it. But as a result of all of this, Paul says to Timothy, be strong 
in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy is to remember that the salvation that he has from God is a gift. He didn't earn it, nor is it his right to be saved. Timothy is not to lord over the people under his care, that they're his appointed leader. And so they should listen to him. But rather, he should rely upon the grace of God found in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only by God's grace that Timothy is standing there as their leader. It's only by God's grace that the the gospel was passed on to him. And it's only this grace that will sustain Timothy in his ministry, that will sustain those under his care. And so Timothy needs to trust in this uh, and to love the grace that God has shown to him and rely upon it. How can you be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ? Well, you can remind yourself of it. We, we can speak this to other and encourage each other to pray to God, to read his word, to, to enjoy that fellowship that comes from knowing the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we grow in the grace of Jesus, and as we remember that it is a gift that comes from God, so Paul exhorts Timothy to entrust these things to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. Now, the key word here is reliable, isn't it? It's no good passing on the things that Paul is teaching to unreliable people because they they may forget it. They they may pass it on incorrectly. Paul doesn't want Timothy to make a general announcement at church and say, hey, everyone, uh, come and I'll entrust this to you. No, he says this gospel message is so important. It's so precious that it needs to be passed on to those who will treasure it, who will hold on to the truth of it and who'll faithfully pass it on. A few years ago, Heather and I wanted to sell one of our cars, uh, and this man came and bought it from us on a Friday afternoon and paid us in cash. Uh, I didn't like having a lot of cash around the house over the weekend, especially as I didn't have a safe. But I did have a friend who had a safe. But I thought to myself, I have a lot of money here in cash. Is this person a reliable person to give the cash to? But friends, how much more precious is the message of the gospel? How much more precious is the message of Jesus that brings eternal life? It's a treasure that we can't put our value on. Jesus said, what benefit is it if you gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? If you could pack up every single precious thing that this whole world possesses and put it in a suitcase, it would be nowhere near as precious as the eternal life that the Lord Jesus Christ offers us. For starters, we can't even take that suitcase with us when we die. And so Paul says specifically, entrust this precious message of eternal life to reliable people who will train others. Friends, Paul's exhorting us, exhorting Timothy, isn't he, to pass the gospel on to those in the church who are reliable and who will pass it on to the next generation reliably. Reliably to find men and women in the church to teach and train others in their understanding of the truth of the gospel so that the gospel will continue to be a characteristic of the church in years to come. We've already seen it in Timothy's life, haven't we? Remember last week, the wonderful gospel legacy that was in his family? We saw that his mother came from the same faith. We saw that his grandmother came from the same faith. But did you notice who's missing? In Acts chapter 16, verse 1, we read that Timothy not only had a mother, but a father who was Greek. But notice the absence of Timothy's father in his legacy of faith. 
a few years ago I did a preaching course at Moore College and of all the great preachers in the past there was one common factor that we all found amazing it was the first time the course was run the mothers of these great men uh, and women have played a huge role in the formation of their faith but what was common was the lack of input that fathers had now men this should be a real rebuke to us we must also play a role in the foundation of the faith of our children. Don't let our children's legacy be like Timothy's legacy. It's not just the woman's role here. It's both men and women playing their role in passing on the gospel to their family. I think this is a real challenge in our day and age today with fathers away a lot. Well, let me just urge you, friends, women continue to do the role that you do like Timothy's mother and grandmother. But men, don't be absent from your children's legacy. One of the things that brings me great joy in coming to minister here at St. Andrews is to hear how many men are involved in the kids' ministry. It's wonderful. It's the way it should be. Reliable men and women working together to pass the gospel on clearly and faithfully to the next generation. The women, you're doing a great job of this. But men, I think there is more that we can be doing here. So let me urge you to be ready to stand up and to be counted in the gospel legacy that we leave to the next generation. But Paul's point is this, isn't it? Pass the gospel on to reliable people who will pass it on to the next generation. Friends, I believe here that the site that we have at St. Andrews can be used for this wonderful purpose. Uh, this is a church that already has reliable people in it and to, who, to whom we can entrust this gospel to and who will pass it on to others. And it's my hope that we in the future at St Andrews will have all types of training going on here. Uh, the wonderful children's ministry that we have going, the wonderful youth ministry that we already have going, but also student ministries, MTS workers, inter, intergenerational training for gospel ministry and so on. So we can be sending people from here at St Andrews, not only into the diocese here in Sydney, but out to the very ends of the world to take that gospel message forward. I mean, how good would that be? To be a church that is sending people into the world, into gospel ministry. And it's by training people in this gospel ministry that we avoid the problems found at the beginning of the passage that we looked at today. But instead, they will take good news to others and they will stand by gospel workers around the world. Friends, as we think about passing the gospel on to the next generation, I ask you, will you join with me in this vital gospel ministry? Well, let me conclude. In the passage, there is a great challenge, isn't there, with us to join with Paul and Timothy in not being ashamed of the gospel, nor of those who are suffering as a result of doing gospel ministry. There is already the right foundation for gospel ministry here at St. Andrews. But friends, there is more that we can do. We have the opportunity to build on these wonderful foundations, but it will mean more of us getting our hands dirty. It will mean more of us getting involved in the ministry of the church. And so I ask, will you join with me in this great, vital gospel ministry? Friends, we need to be a church, don't we, that has as its very foundation, as we have, a desire to pass on the gospel to that next generation. Maybe you can think how you'd like to be involved in this type of work. But most importantly, we're reminded from this passage that we need to be people who are strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
those who are reliable. Are you strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you a reliable worker for Jesus? How's your prayer life going? How's your Bible reading going? How's your walk with Christ going? Friends, we need to remember, don't we, that our source of strength, the ability for our ministry to be sustained, it's not found within ourselves, but it only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to remind ourselves of this daily, hourly, and we need to model this and teach this to ensure that our kids and our grandkids understand. And we need to refresh ourselves constantly with God's word and through prayer. It's through this we'll be able to do all that this passage is asking. How about I pray? Oh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the wonderful gospel that you have given us. Help us not to be ashamed. Help us not to sell it out for anything in this world. But help us to hold on to it, to pass it on to the next generation so the gospel ministry will continue to go forward from here and we will see the impacts of this to the very ends of the earth. We pray this for your praise and glory in Jesus' name.